back to the One Broke Actress podcast. My name is Sam Valentine. I am your host. Hi, guys. Who would have thought that coming out of quarantine was almost weirder than going into it? I don't know about you guys, but I have felt super weird, like extremely anxious about going back to works and jobs and, and you know, keeping a calendar. And I mean, nothing has really happened yet, but I'm just kind of trying to navigate this space. So if you guys are listening to this and really unsure of what's going on in your immediate future, you're not alone. Um, it's really... It's almost weirder because you feel like you shouldn't be doing anything, but then you almost have to do some things. Am I making any sense at all? I don't know. It's weird. <sighs> Continue to wash your hands. I don't know. Hopefully something regulates soon. Um, I've actually kind of found a groove that I really enjoy. I've kind of found a schedule I like and I feel better than I have in months. I also have been feeling really good about doing a lot for One Broke Actress. So if you guys have noticed that the Instagram's kind of been different and we're kind of starting to rebrand and there's more articles and things like that, it's because this is what's really lighting me up right now. So if there is anything you guys want me to talk about or share on Instagram and in stories uh, in a YouTube video, who knows? I'm down to do that. Just let me know what you're thinking about. Also, if you guys missed it, I now have an Amazon storefront. I had to apply to be an influencer. <laughs> Let me tell you, that was weird. But anyway, now that I have that, all of the products that I talk about that I use to self-tape or to do this podcast or, you know, like workout stuff or around the house things are now on my Amazon storefront. So you can just go and buy them straight from there. I think I get like... 1% of what you buy. I don't know. It's pennies, but I just wanted to put it all in one place for you guys. That's not like a thousand links. So you can check that out in my Instagram along with any new posts that are going on there. Um, I think that's it for paperwork versions. Guys, if you haven't rated the podcast yet, come on, rate, review, subscribe, rate, review, subscribe, and then share it with your friends because we all are going to be in this for the long haul over the next Six months, year, I don't know, but we're going to need each other now more than ever. So share this podcast with a friend, especially one who might be looking for a fantastic freaking manager. Which brings me to today's guest, guys. Matthew Kaufman of MRK Management actually found me because if you remember Leah Hubner's episode on headshots, she mentioned a fabulous gay manager who really gave her her start. And he heard the podcast, he reached out, and I could not be happier that I met him because he is a light. He is the kind of person you want to talk to about your career. I felt so excited and invigorated after our conversation with the possibilities of the future, which is really cool because... I haven't felt that in a long time. Matthew is hilarious. He is young. He is motivated and he is very realistic about what it takes to be a manager in this business. He's super open about talking about his side jobs, about how much it costs to be a member of Breakdown Services, about what it's like to actually handle talent. This conversation is super real, super personal, and I can't thank him enough for it. We also talk about things I don't know a lot about, like what actually goes in a pitch email from an agent or a manager for a role to a casting director, how hard it actually is to get your start as a rep in this business, kind of the, the things that can sideline you, the money issues. It was incredible to hear these things. It's very similar to the issues that we go through all the time. Matthew really opens up about what it's like to represent his close friends, what his commonalities are with talent that's really stuck with him and done great work throughout the years, and what he's looking for in new talent. 
He also talks a little bit about his brand consulting that he just started doing, his rebrand of his business, and also what he foresees for actors in the coming months. This is a great episode, you guys. I think you're going to love it, and I feel like Matthew's going to be flooded with emails after this. So, guys, without further ado, please enjoy Matthew Kaufman of MRK Management. All right, cool. Let's chat. Oh my God, let's do it. <laughs> I feel like I already kind of know you because we got to talk on the phone yesterday, uh, which was lovely. Um, yeah, but right. will you tell me a little bit about how you got into management as a business? Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of fell in my lap, I would honestly say. Um, so I've been in LA now for seven years, like I think seven going on eight maybe. And, uh, I'm from Chicago. Um, and I went to school in Michigan, Michigan state. And after spending some time in Chicago being an actor, like I graduated um, with an acting degree, um, I just kind of fell out of acting. It just wasn't really inspiring any me, inspiring me anymore. It wasn't really my passion. So my other degree was in PR and advertising. So while I was in Chicago, I worked for a boutique PR company. I worked for uh, a top chef, celebrity chef. I worked for different nightlife and hospitality venues. And by the time I was kind of done with Chicago, I was like, mm, I think Los Angeles is going to be the thing for me. I don't know why. I don't know what's making me feel that, but there's something energetically that's calling me there. But like all of these tools I had were, had monetary value in Los Angeles. Like I'm like, I need to be working in entertainment. I know that's going to work out. So when I moved here, um, maybe like a month or two months after living here, I went to the Universal NBC showcase with a friend of mine from college who's a total spiritual gatekeeper. And every time I'm around her, something magical happens. And I <laughs> happened to sit down next to this older woman and started chatting with her. And it turned out she was a talent manager. And then it turned out that she was from a town like 10 minutes down the street from my house. Hmm. And uh, we just had so much in common. And she was like, I was like, you know what? I'm thinking of maybe being a talent manager. And in my head, I was like, well, you know, all my friends are actors and all I know is actors and I know business for actors. So maybe that would be the right decision for me. And she's like, well, I'm looking to bring on somebody. So why don't you come over to my home office and we can chat. And that was like four months. Now it was like four months after I'd moved to LA. And she was like, why don't you just start here? You can, I can teach you the ropes. You know, I really need some help signing youth talent, which really wasn't what I was looking for. But I was like, hey, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and she basically just like turned me into a manager. And I learned kind of all of the little nooks and crannies of the beginning of the, of the industry from her. Um, and next thing you know, I just started signing all my friends. I was like, oh, okay, let me sign this girl. And she's, I've known her since the first day of college. And let me sign my other friend, Caitlin. And she's from college. And um, let me sign my roommate who I'm living with now because he went to, got a MFA in acting. And then that just kind of like started to grow and grow and grow. And um, then were you signing I, them? Were you signing them to the agency you were working with or were you signing them to personally yourself? Yeah, to the management company that I was okay, working cool. with. Yes. Yeah. So then they became my clients and I was splitting commission with, with her. And then I was also like servicing her clients at the same time. So I was learning and submitting breakdowns and 
then I scouted two youth talents and one went really far in the time that I had him. And I booked like the first booking I ever got was the blackish pilot. And it was crazy because that happened like right after I started managing and it was this breakdown that was completely obscure. It was just like tour guide. No breakdown, no description, no gender, no race, no age specificity. And I submitted my first client, Michelle, who's my friend from college, and she oh, booked yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we're from, I'm familiar. I'm familiar with Michelle. Yeah, okay, yeah. Michelle has been like with me since day one. She, I call her my original muse because we've known yeah, each other that. since literally the first day of college theater class. Like we played Riff Raff and Magenta in college together. This is crazy. That is so crazy. I'm curious. I'm going to take you a little off topic for a second. How it is, because I think sometimes people are afraid to work with their friends. Um, And so managing your friends, does it ever get complicated? Because you still have a lot of these clients. So is it still, does it ever get weird that they're your friends or does it make it better? How does it work? Yeah. You know, it's a little bit of both. Um, when I first started, it was like, okay, where am I going to find clients? Okay, well, I'll do my friends. And that was before I was really like much further along in my career and in my business when things were getting a little bit more serious and I was bringing on more clients and then they were part of the more clients. Um, but, you know, and I, in, in time I've learned the lesson of kind of like, don't sign your friends. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like my first client friends that I signed are my rock solid clients. And then since then, I really haven't signed anybody that's been like a friend friend because then you kind of feel like you're doing a favor instead of being like really passionate about that person. Now, if I had like a friend that I was super, super passionate about, I'm like, I don't know what, what we're waiting for. Like, um, I'm going to get you to work. That's a different story, but it's, it's easier to not have that deep friendship relationship with your client because, you know, when things get stickier, when you have to lay down the law or you have to like, be kind of strict with them about their tape, you know, you have to balance like, okay, you're my friend and I love you and I respect you and I'm here for your creative journey. But at the same time, I'm running a business and I need this level of quality and I know this isn't going to get passed. So it's like, that's a delicate balance. I think I, for my friends that I have that are my clients, we talk about it a lot. And I think mm-hmm. we've really through, you know, the people who are my friends I've been representing now for like five years. So we've really worked on what that relationship is. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just in general, for me, I do feel like I, I'm pretty good at separating the difference between friends and business. It seems really hard. But you know, at the end of the day, if my job as a manager is to get them out well, and I need to know everything about them, well, I'm going to know everything about my friends. I'm going to know everything about how to submit and pitch them and position them in the best way. I'm going to know what the best work that they do. So I think it's a double-edged sword. I think I've, I've certainly learned, I've certainly had friends that I signed that I had to go back and just be like, I can't be your manager. I'm so sorry. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think this is the right business decision for us because we're such great friends and I don't think we're necessarily in line as business partners. But then you have the friends that you are in line with as business partners. And then that has turned into really magical relationships. For me. Cool. And what an interesting thing. 
right? I wouldn't highly recommend it, but through okay. my <laughs> through my experience of just meeting managers all over the place, not even just in film, but also in, in other performance uh, aspects, there's a lot of that. A lot of people are like, oh, my friend turned into a manager. It's very much the entourage situation where so he was Adrian Grenier's <laughs> manager. Like it's, it's sometimes Times with my friends, it kind of seemed like that's what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. So when did you decide to to break off and become your own management company? Because that had to be a big, a big choice. Yeah, it was huge. I I still am like I still like am I like I was talking to you yesterday. I still a little bit feel like I'm recovering from that situation, but also like still working on owning my power in that. That happened um, about two years to the date uh, today, and um, happy two year I anniversary. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, woo! No <laughs> coming down, but it's a nice time to like sit. In sit and reflect about that mm -hmm. um, yeah so I worked after I worked for that woman for a year I decided to leave and expand and like kind of grow in, in my own way and I joined a company where I was at for three and a half years and I really was given the opportunity to build an adult department from that company they really didn't have much of one they were mainly focused on kids and youth so when i got there i said i'm not focused on kids that's just like not what i'm passionate about so they really gave me the free reins to start building so then i really started to go out and scout actors and i was doing those like five manager workshops which we can talk about later because those are so exhausting and great so, i love to talk about them and so not real and and that was a learning experience for me and um you know it's just signing and signing and signing um at the end of my time there i had three actors on pilots um, I had an actor who I, I had a, an uh, exclusive contract with CBS. I had booked actors in huge studio feature films. I booked like five actors in one year on Geico commercials, which was crazy. I know. I, it was like I was doing all of these great things, but it was kind of covered by this company. So I felt like, um, you know, every time you always have to level up and do the next thing. So after, you know, some things went down, I decided... I really thought I wanted to work for other companies. Like I wanted to make this next big step. I thought I, with three actors on pilots and some of the pilots were really hot. I also, one of my actors was recognized in the Hollywood Reporter as being ABC's most rewarding casting find. Wow. During this pilot, yeah, it was, it was wild. It was like all of these things, these great things were raining down on me during this pilot season, but I was so stressed because I had, I knew I needed to leave and I knew I, I needed to get out of my situation and I really wanted to level up in my own career. Um, so I fortunately just had some mentors in my corner that were, I was really blessed with and really saw me and were supportive and were like, why don't you, after interviewing for a bunch of companies, none was really, nobody was really offering me a job slash I wasn't really interested in anyone. It just, nothing spoke to me as a human, as an individual. And I think I was a little too focused on like, oh, get that Beverly Hills office, get that desk, get that assistant, get that life, which is so not who I am. Mm -hmm. And so smoke and mirrors to really what Hollywood is. And I totally fell for it. 
So then I just decided, you know, I meditated on it. I got Reiki treatment on it. Like I literally did all of the things to help me find clarity. And, and like, those are, that's some crazy story. Um, but I left. I just decided to leave against a lot of words of others, but also like, you know, learning that my body, you can feel in your body. And I think actors can really relate to this or anybody who's energetically connection. When something is not right, you can feel it. Your hair's falling out, your skin's breaking out. You can't sleep, you're gaining weight. All of these things are your body reacting to stress or It's like literally struggle. everything you said is what everyone's doing right now in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, true. Yes, true. And as I'm like, I'm like, my hair is falling out. I just shaved my head. Um, so yes, you know, I decided to leave. I decided to go on my own and just see what happened. And, you know, when I, when I left, I had no money and I had no other job prospects. Oh, starting my own company was something I never in a million years thought I was going to do. It was never something I thought I was interested in. I never saw myself. I was always like, we're for a company and get a great base salary and great commission and get all of that taken care of compared to like here I have to create all of that and start it all but <clears throat> I think what what it was was I was most fearful of that journey and obviously on the other side of fear is your biggest success and the things that you actually want so I took that lesson for myself and you know, it was hard. I, I had no money. I had no job. So I got two serving jobs. I was mopping floors literally during the day at a bakery. And at night I was working at a restaurant in West Hollywood while also like click clacking on my computer and building a company. Um, and I feel like this is what we don't hear about is like reps going through the same struggle that actors go through. Oh, 100%. I mean, and I've had these conversations. Many reps who've started their company, it's the Steve Jobs factor. They start from their kitchen table. They start from their garage, you know, and it's not pretty because we only work on commission. So, you know, it takes a few years for like those commissions to kind of start collecting and coming back that you can create a life for yourself that's sustainable. And at the beginning, it's like, okay, well, I'm not getting breakdowns yet. So how do I even get clients to book on projects to then make money? And then how does that money even get to me? You know, so Is a lot of- to get access to the breakdowns. I thought once you register as like a rep where you can purchase them. It was very difficult. You know, I think it took me like two months before I could get them. How do you, because do you they file paperwork? How does that work? Yeah, you have paperwork, they ask for references, they ask for your history, like they want to know that the people at Breakdowns want to know that you're not an actor and you're not an actor that's going to get these because even when I first started managing, I would have actors that would email me the full breakdowns and be like, oh, I should go out for this. And I'm like, how are you getting these breakdowns? That's illegal. I, apparently there was somebody on the street that was like selling breakdowns to people. Yeah, like, blacklist it, breakdowns. Yeah, so, but and that annoyed you, me. They'll sue you for like so much money. It's outrageous. It's the Well, craziest. as they should, because I'm paying, you know, a lot of money to get those breakdowns. You that's know? valid. That's true. I hadn't thought about that. And that's a big part of overhead. So it's like, okay, so how do you get that? And um, yeah, it was a big process. I think at first, because I had, you know, old company members were like, oh yeah, he's not a manager. I kind of got, 
Yeah, it was it was tough. It was definitely tough. So I, but what was the most beautiful part about it, and what I'm so grateful for, is I had so many contacts in the entertainment industry that vouched for me and were like, "You, this kid needs breakdowns. He's an asset to the entertainment industry. He's an asset to Hollywood. I can. I've worked with him for three years." So. It was like people came out of the woodwork to help me. So that was like this other beautiful part of this journey. You just really find out what you've done for yourself and the relationships you've created for yourself. And I think when you're working for somebody else, it's easy for them to take all of the credit. Mm -hmm. And you feel like, oh, I only accomplished this because I was given this house in which to create. When it's like, no, I created all of this within this house for myself. And so, you know, let me take that. Let me own that. Let me feel good that I did that. And I just kept telling myself, you know, one week's going to be different. Two weeks going to be different. Put your head down and work, you know, pay your rent late. Just wait to pay your rent. Another <laughs> quarantine theme that we're experiencing. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, I maxed out my credit cards and then, you know, it was, it was very hard. I had, I fortunately had a lot of friends that were just there for me and a lot of clients that stuck by me during the time and took the chance on me, which I'm, I'm so blessed. Some clients left in that period and, um, you know, you can't keep all of them, but I always told the clients that stayed, stayed I was like, I'm going to make it worth it for you. Trust yeah. me. I've worked so hard for you. The only way I'm going to come on top of this is if I keep working hard. Um, and so now two years later, things are fantastic. And I think I'm probably at the best part of my life so far. Everything feels right. I have amazing relationships. I have amazing clients that are just exceeding my expectations of them. I'm, I'm just so happy that I made that decision and, and chose to go down the difficult path because I think the rewards have come back um, double. <laughs> That's not the best way of saying that, but yeah, no, I know. understand. That's amazing. I want to, I, I kind of want to talk about uh, for the next like little bit, like normal things. And then we'll yeah. get into like quarantine, post COVID, like life. Cause I also want to hit on like what we think the future looks like. So yeah. I definitely want to talk about your management style. So I've had several managers. I'm like, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm very good at like knowing when things are done and breaking up with people. And like, it's a style I've established and like, this isn't working. Um, as a manager, what makes you stick with an actor? Do you like, you get inspired? Obviously you want to send them in auditions, but do you do more than that for your clients? Cause I'm always curious, like what, what makes a good manager? Yeah. Um, great question. I really think I am a hybrid, I do everything manager. And I've always had that viewpoint, you know, on, on the basis of like, what do I do? Like I submit on all the breakdowns and I'm pitching aggressively, pitching aggressively. You know, I have a lot of friends who are constantly asking me, well, my manager doesn't pitch. My manager only lets the agent pitch. Well, at the end of the day, it's a team, right? And every team should be bringing in as many opportunities as possible for the client and um, I have my own relationships with casting directors and agents have their own casting relationships and I may see my actor because I know them so well on such a personal level that oh I know that they can do this role because I saw them play it in college or I went to a, a play that they did or I've seen their sketch that they did that I know they can do that whereas an agent 
you know, I mean, all agencies are different and I work with some amazing agents that really know their clients, but on a lot of agents that I've worked with up until this point, you know, they have so many actors mm -hmm. and those actors are playing stock characters. So they're plug getting plugged in. Um, so what I try to do is I try to be hyper-focused, you know, I, as a manager, I sign actors and I really try to find, you know, what is your niche in this market, in this entertainment industry? You know, specificity is everything. And especially when you're starting off as an actor, you know, you have to realize that you're really going to be going out for those kind of one-line co-stars and just trying to cut your teeth and start building a, a resume. So it's, it's finding out, okay, what's your voice? And what's the casting director that's doing that voice similar to yours? And what's the tone of the show that you're going in? And are you playing edgy, young, contemporary? Or are you more um, highbrow and can speak more of an educated kind of delivery? And, and being really specific on that is what I help. And then I kind of try actors to, I submit them for everything. I submit actors for everything and anything. I'm not only, if you're a comedy person, I'm not only going to submit you to comedy. What I have found that comedy actors are kind of sometimes the best because they can do everything. Yeah. Um, some act, sometimes actors that only focus on being dramatic, you know, when comedy comes around, they just have a meltdown. So, you know, <laughs> actors who have comedy, they're like kind of ready to challenge everything. Um, you know, my job is to find agent representation for my clients to, you know, put them in a great agency. And if, if they down the line have problems with that agency, help them, you know, find a new representation. Um, headshots, I'm constantly working with people on. I'm strategizing people on materials. I'm looking for opportunities like go to this event. This event's gonna put you around a bunch of writers that are, because I also know that you love to write. So maybe that will lead you towards something. Um, oh, that's amazing. I, I yeah, feel like that's you, a lot of information. I constantly am trying to find any avenue, because as a manager, manager, I represent every client um, throughout their entire career. So not just on theatrical. I represent them on commercial and voiceover and maybe print and modeling. And depending on what they specialize, maybe they're a writer and they have like a feature film that they're trying to get in front of people. Well, writing isn't necessarily my specialty, but I can navigate and meet people to get them in front of those writers. Um, you know, and then it's a lot of advice. It's a lot of therapy. It's a lot of, <laughs> um, you know, talking to people and, and, and finding out how people feel. You know, I think one of the biggest things, this is probably one of the biggest things. So many actors are scared of their reps. And so many actors, you ask them, what's going on with your manager? And you're like, I haven't talked to my manager in three months. Or, oh, I don't know. My manager sent me out for this, but she said she's really busy. Or he said he's really busy. You know, I think it's crazy that you haven't talked to your client in such a long amount of time. Every manager, I think, should be 100% accessible to their client all, all the time. This is what I think of it is like, okay, this is my job, this is my career, this is my company, this is how I'm gonna make money from this. My job is to be available 24 seven. It has its downfalls and sometimes you do have to put, you know, some boundaries up, but you know, when an actor needs you, an actor needs you. And 
an actor needs support. They need to know they have somebody that's in their corner. They need to know that there's a strategy in place, that they're going in a direction and they're just not off in the abyss because then they get lost and then they don't feel like they're going, they have purpose or that things are happening for their career. And then, you know, the sabotage starts coming in. If they don't think that they're going in the right direction. Oh, well, this isn't happening and my, my agent isn't submitting me and... I mean, it just is like this house of cards that falls. But if there's constant, <laughs> right? But if there's constant communication and there's love coming from my side, but also being, you know, direct and also being business oriented, I think that's another thing is me really helping them see what goes on our side of the table. A lot of times actors don't connect like, okay, I go into the room and I do a great job. Okay, so I'm going to get the part. Babe, there's a lot of other players in play and you did your part, but now it's up to 10 other people to do your part and hopefully we hope that they're in your favor. So I think that that's a big thing because so many times like actors, they just don't know because nobody talked to them or told them about things. Yeah, I feel like there's a, there's often a, um, sorry, I have three dogs. <laughs> there's no, often no. A, uh, <clears throat> a big gap in communication past audition and booking and then it feels like that's when you're supposed to talk i feel like early on especially you're taught to talk when you're going to make money kind of a thing right like if you're not making money you're not an asset that kind of a thing so it's hard to <clears throat> approach her up and be like hey how are you or like how do you what's a good way to maintain connection and conversation that's not all about where are my auditions? Where are my bookings? Because I think that's where a lot of actors get come from sometimes because they don't connect with their reps. Yeah, well, it's also like, okay, when you sat down with your rep and met in the first place, what was the main thing that you, you're always going to connect about something other than the industry, right? You're going to have a spiritual connection. You're going to have dogs that you're going to connect about. You're going to be watching the same TV shows. You're going to come from the same city. You know, we are humans and you know, like me, like I'm still working at a restaurant. I graduated from the same college you did with an acting degree. Like I've been out here on the hustle for just as long as you have. We have so many things in common. Mm -hmm. So I think when you're picking up the phone and, or emailing and you only want to talk about business and you haven't talked, like sometimes, you know, sometimes it's nice when a rep's like, hey, or someone calls me and they're like, hey, I just saw this. This is a great TV show. Have you been watching this? I don't necessarily want to be on it, but I don't think this is for me, but this is fantastic. I mean, I think it's fear. I think ultimately the common denominator is fear. If you are fearful of what you can talk about with your manager or like, okay, well, what do I bring up that comes off in like a tone that doesn't make them seem that I want something or that I'm needing? Like, that's just too much. That's overthinking it. Just like, you know, be open, be present, be positive. And, you know, a manager knows if they're not getting you work. A manager knows if they're not having success. I have a lot of, I have a, a great handful of clients that, you know, for the first three years of me representing them, they haven't booked anything. And then on the third year, they book back-to-back co-stars in a huge national network commercial. Or three years That's later, great. they book a recurring guest star on a huge pilot. Like, these are these are true stories. So it's really a long game, what I've learned. I've like, there's there's clients that I've maybe let go or didn't bring with me to my company that I'm like, oh, I should have held on to them. And, and because 
it's such a lot because then they end up booking something big. Um, but it's a long game. It's an investment. A manager, I think, I think also people are so used to like, okay, you signed me for a year and a half and like, there's a four month out clause. So you can get rid of me or I can get rid of you instead of realizing, okay, this is a long-term investment. Things do not happen like this in this town. Mm -hmm. So if you create a relationship with your rep where they know that you're not a jumper, where they know that you are in it with them and you're gonna, you know, obviously we wanna get you to work, but you're also patient in the process. I think that develops a good relationship with the rep because you don't think that every time I'm the person's calling, they're either going to complain or they're going to pull the cord on you or, you know, uh, it's, it's hard. I think ultimately it's just like, you know, just be a human. Don't be scared. We're, we're all in the, it's very pandemic conversation, but we're, we're, we're all in this, we're all a team. We're all in this together. When you win, when I win, that's, that's been the fun part about representing, uh, talent that's also like my same age and graduated college the same year as me or on the same come up as as me is like when you win i win when i book somebody on somebody you're gonna win because now i can get you in that room when you book a recurring guest star or a huge show that's gonna be great because now everybody's gonna be looking at my clients you know and when that other client does that now i can get you in that room so easily because i already won like it is I, I see it as a completely mutual relationship that we are coming up together. Whereas I think a lot of, you know, managers or agents hold their power over the actor, feel like you need me. I'm the end all be all of the gateway to the industry. And I've just never found that effective of getting the best work from anyone really. I mean, yeah. Who works well when they're scared? I mean, I work well on a deadline, but not when I'm terrified. I work well on a deadline too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We need them so bad right now. Um, working with agents, I'm curious, do people often get double submitted? Like if there's a role that comes out and you're like, oh, this client would be great for that. And they also have an agent. Do you always clear it with the agent before you submit them? How does that work? Um, you know, I, I kind of work individually on my side and I submit and then the, the agent goes on their side and they submit. And okay. like, sometimes an agent will be like, Hey, we submitted them here. Let's double team them on this. So mm. then they're going to pitch and then I'm going to pitch because now we've got two emails in that inbox and maybe they're not listening. The casting director doesn't really listen to that agent or maybe that casting director doesn't really listen to me or I don't even know that casting director. But either way, we're going to double team them. So there isn't this like thing of like, oh, they've been double submitted. That is so annoying. So now we're going to cancel them out because they could have submitted you at different times, mm-hmm. which could pop up differently on breakdowns. They could have, the people who are getting the breakdowns could submit um, or could change the casting directors can change to be alphabetical that they're looking at what rep sent it. I just so, learned about this on a podcast I did earlier this week about how like, cause we're all told like have a slate shot. It brings you to the top. And the cast yeah. director was like, no, I order mine however I want to. <laughs> I was exactly. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. Like it could be alphabetical. It can be time. It could be by rep. Mm-hmm. You know, some, some, some casting directors might just look at their favorite reps first before they start seeing who they submit compared to seeing everyone else. So if you happen to be a rep that's kind of got win, 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 win back to backs with that casting director, chances are they're going to respond to your email or submission more. I mean, there's been plenty of times where I've submitted my client, I've pitched the client and then the, and the casting director is great. Look out for the audition. It's going to come through the agent and then the agent gets the appointment or a lot of my work has been through my submissions and my pitch and I know client on it and I had a conversation, but the agent 
got the audition. So sometimes it's just like they'll see the double submission and they just choose where to route it. Got it. Um, got it. Got it. But it doesn't sound I, like a bad thing. I, I'm submitting on it. No, it doesn't. I mean, that's the whole point of having, you know, a larger team and having two people on your team. Everybody's bringing something different to the table. And my favorite relationships are the ones where we're like, okay, I'm on this. I'm talking to this executive about this pilot right now for NBC. This role came out. Do you have anybody there? I was like, oh, I actually went out to cocktails with him the other night. So why don't I call him up and and see what's going on for that? Like, everybody has strengths. and, And having a team that just works like a tight knit, like then you're going to book something. Something big is going to happen, and then we can start focusing on what comes after that. What's usually in those pitch emails? Mm, it's super short. Mm-hmm. Super short, and that's something that I'd recommend for actors listening if they're pitching for reps. Like, keep it short. We know what the email's about. You're trying to get reps. <laughs> I heard so, a saying recently, and it was, be bright, be brief, be gone. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's true. It's totally true. I mean, I say hello. I say... Um, you know, I'm trying to, in, in not the same words, but I want this actor, I submitted this actor for this role on this project. I give them two quick sentences about, you know, if they book something or what they're working on or what their type is, like if they're scraggly, smart ass tomboy or, you know, plus size Midwest model or, um, you know, I have a kooky, quirky, Carol Kane, Judy Greer type, like trying to give a little bit of a specific moment. And then I just link their reel and link their actor's access page. And, you know, you just hope that they respond to you. I've, I've been really lucky that a lot of my pitches are getting responded to. Um, you know, another thing is, is like the phone call versus the email pitch. Mm-hmm. It really varies. I think we're now living in a time where people don't want to be talking on the phone. Like, if somebody's calling you, like, if you're sitting here and your phone starts ringing, like, the chances of you picking up that phone (laughs) is, like, it's so invasive, almost, let alone if somebody FaceTimes you. Oh, my God. All these rogue FaceTimes I'm getting during quarantine, I'm like, a girl needs some notice. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I've had to, like, put my just phone away because I'm like, okay, now that we're on quarantine does not give you permission that, like, every day we have 15 zoom hangouts or happy hours (laughs) but you know you call a casting office and what do they say okay great we're not there at that role yet or okay email us so I feel that email is the most non-invasive invasive way of contacting somebody and if you have a really personal relationship with that casting director or you know that casting director well and you've got somebody who's like the exact wit and you just know that person's going to be a part yeah pick up the phone mm-hmm. but most chances are they're going to say email me because they don't have time to be talking on the phone. They've got to get through this breakdown. They've got production calls coming in. They've got all the other agents calling them. The same agent that picks up the phone and calls them every single day about the same actor for every single breakdown that comes out. Like, you don't want to be known as that rep. And, you know, I've also found that, like, when I email, 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 and then they call me for something, it's like a delight. Because then I'm finally, oh, hey, this is my voice. It's so nice to meet you. How are you? Uh-huh. Okay, cool. You know, compared to being known as the voice that is like, oh, this person's on the phone with me again. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay. That's, a, that's really good to know. I agree. I think it's, well, whenever people write me something, some insane questions on Instagram sometimes, and I'm like, this is long. Do you want to email it to me? And then I have to see it. <laughs> I can snooze it till the weekend when I have time to answer it. Um, right. When you are looking for new talent, let's talk about that because that is 
actors have such a hard time sometimes getting that first rep. It feels like such a big first accomplishment. Where do you find new talent? And then also let's talk about workshops. Yes, definitely. You can start with um, workshops if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with new talent. Um, since I am looking for new talent at this time. Ooh, um, you're going to get a lot of emails when this podcast comes out. Oh, yeah, hit me up. <laughs> hit me up. I'm looking at everything right now. You know, for me at the end of the day, it's a gut feeling and like a spiritual connection with talent. Okay. How and you, when does your roster get too big? Like, how do you know when you're ready to look for new talent also? I want to start. Um, I would probably say you're ready for, I'm usually ready for new talent when I've, I've worked through a lot of the problems and figuring out of my client that I'm like, okay, now we know where your market is. We've got you auditioning. You've booked things before. I figured you out. We've figured out your materials and um, the strategy is in place. You're cool. kind of, it's not that set it and forget it mentality, but it's like a set it. Okay, you're set. I've got you up and running and we know where the direction is. Obviously the direction is going to pivot at any given moment, but it's like, okay, we don't have to do all of that very beginning hustle work that, you know, it, it takes about a year and a half to really get into, into the swing of things, mm -hmm. truly. So, and then it's like, okay, well, who, what, what places am I missing? What, where do I feel like, oh, I know I could get this kind of talent in, but I don't have that kind of talent. Particularly right now, I'm doing really well with 18 to 30-year-olds. That seems to be kind of my sweet spot. Um, so then it's like, okay, well, let me now enter this energetic field where I'm open to receiving uh, clients, that I'm open to anyone that comes across my desk, that I'm open to meeting people and allow to see what happens. I, I have found when I go out and I'm seeking talent or I'm on that hustle to sign, 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 it just doesn't work out because I'm pushing. And I have had my spiritual medium, Steffi, tell me that I- love I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, She's told me that things are gonna work out best for me if they come to me instead of for me going to them. So I really try not to be overtly aggressive on finding talent or signing people. I feel like the people people who I'm meant to represent are going to find their way to me. And I'm confident in, in the work that I've done that, you know, a lot of my talent comes from referrals. And I'll, I, I will be like, I won't even know that I was looking for that kind of talent. But then they cross my desk and the creativity sparks, the gut sparks, and I see their work and I'm like, oh yeah. And we sit down for a conversation and they're smart and they're business savvy. And we were kind of talking about this yesterday. They've done their time here in LA where they took their time to figure out who they are, how they fit into a life in Los Angeles. They've figured out how their money is, how to get work. You know, they've gone through the ups and downs and aren't just like brand new to the city and haven't lived experiences like I can't it's hard for me to connect with people who haven't really lived life yet mm -hmm. um because next thing you know you're going to be representing them through a giant crash and they're going to leave and go back to Los Angeles or go back to home or yeah. that's the other thing I, I try to find people who are settled in their lives who are like okay I know that this is going to be um a lifelong journey I think we were talking about this with school. You get out of school and you think immediately you need to accomplish your five-year plan. So people are like, okay, in year two, I'm going to be on a show. In year three, I'm going to be on a Broadway show, which was one of my goals. Um, <laughs> that didn't happen, thank God. I was supposed um, to be reoccurring on a show at year three too, so I... I feel like 
you know, and, and we don't know any better than to, and I mean, yes, yeah. that could happen to somebody, but realistically, no, it's the step-by-step -step process. So I, I don't know what brought me to that, but it's like getting out of school and learning to be a human and learning to how you fit into this world and then how you see acting as a part of that, having that dialogue and being able to talk to me about that shows me so much maturity in who you are as an actor and as an artist, mm -hmm. shows me that you're going to be able to make it the long journey, that you're going to be ready for the ups and the downs. And trust me, there's so many downs. Like, I mean, you think the rejection for you as one actor is a lot. Just think that while I'm telling you that you didn't get it, I just told three other people that they got released from their pen, that they didn't book the test, and that they got edited their guest star got edited out of the episode. So, and that has all happened to me in a day, I swear. Oh, so, you know, the rejections out there. So how do you deal with that rejection? And you can see that in that interview. Um, you know, I think for me now, really focusing on diverse actors or really as a queer manager and a queer person, LGBTQIA, um, representation is extremely important to me. Um, and I'm really trying to build out that part of my roster as more opportunities come out. Um, but really like younger talent. I've, I, I represent a few older character actors that I would say in their 40s, but that's really a difficult market. You know, and, and to anybody who's in that market that's listening to this, you know, you have to understand that there are so, and even for, like I was watching Little Fires Anywhere and those kids, or everywhere and the the kids are like what 15 16 so by the time that they're in their 20s they're going to have a huge list of credits right. so when you're a 20 year old going up when you come to this town and you're 23 and you're going up for those big roles you're going up against these kids who are like living in hollywood for a long time and these casting directors know and they don't really tell us that when we're we're entering this business that oh my god no i wish there i've lost so many roles to people who have been disney kids since they were 10 and I was playing in my backyard in the woods in like Kansas. Right. Like, <laughs> I can't, I, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> there's nothing you can do. Like, and you know what? You chose to live your life mm -hmm. instead of like immediately coming here and, and, and you went to school. But what, what people don't realize is those are barriers. So think about 40 year olds who are going up against people who've lived in LA now for 20 years and have been working in television before the digital era even started. Like, you know, it's hard to be competing against those people, especially in the older, in the older age. I mean, now that goes to say anything can happen and opportun like opportunities are growing and growing and growing. But for me and my own finding, it's, it's been a lot easier. And I just think because I'm a bit younger myself, I'm a millennial myself, I connect a little bit more with the younger generation. So um, that's what I really try to focus on. Um, in terms of acting workshops, I mean, <laughs> I mean, what do you want to know specifically about acting workshops? What do you think is the thing that people like don't, what, what kind of questions do you, you and your friends normally find from it? Uh, they don't know. People have struggle understanding if they're worth it, if people get actually um, useful reps out of them. I think people are curious if, you know, like they're paying to do it. So people are being paid to attend. So like, is, is it actually worth the time? What actually would stand out during these workshops? 
um, because I know so many people have done so many and they're just exhausted by them. And also when you've done enough, you've, well, one, sometimes I like to go to workshops. <clears throat> this is going to sound shitty because it reminds me how good I am because <laughs> I see other actors. No, it's true. Um, it's a great ego boost. It truly is. It really is. Um, but then they're just so tired of being, you know, if, for lack of better term, the smartest person in the room and still not getting meetings. So what has been your experience as a rep in workshops? Yeah. Well, so when I, when I worked for my old company before, I, I mean, I haven't gone to a manager workshop, I would probably say in three to four years. Because okay. I agree with you as the, and, and all actors, they're exhausting because a lot of time those workshops are filled with actors who just don't know and they're not trained and they're moving to hollywood to be famous and be a star mm -hmm. and you know how am i even supposed to have a kind of a dialogue with that you know <laughs> they were it, it was weird because then i was sitting there with like other managers of other companies and every manager and every person is so different but some people are sitting there and we're talking about oh i I signed this person and put him in his first movie and I knew they were a star the moment that I saw them and yada, 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 yada. And I'm over here in like ripped jeans being like, okay, if you really want to know something, like move to LA and just be a yes person. Like hold the boom for somebody's web series, be the extra in somebody's show, meet people because soon that's going to start rolling into other things and then you're going to be, your work's going to get out there and next thing you know, you're going to meet a casting director. Like, but sitting there and telling, people about how stars became stars like is that realistic of what's going to happen to them no are they going to leave there with actionable steps as an actor no i wouldn't say so yeah. um you know you know when i was first starting my roster i did go to those workshops and and was signing people but and i still maybe have a few actors on my roster that i maybe scouted at a workshop so yes every once in a moon you find that person who is just the right fit but most of the time it doesn't work out. And most of the time you feel like you're compete, like there'll be one great actor in the room that's in perfect in the market that you're looking for. And then you've got five people competing for them. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm not trying to compete against anybody to get talent. Like I want my talent and I to find each other. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, what would you better direct people to than a workshop? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, Honestly, doing plays, doing theater, doing live performance. I think the greatest myth is that reps and casting don't attend live performance. And that is completely untrue. You know, being a person who comes from a theater background and comes from Chicago, you know, it's actually so refreshing when I am invited to go to see somebody's show or I'm invited to go see something or, or go to a stand-up show or an improv show, you know? That way you can see a person living and breathing in their creativity instead of this like plan prepared thing that I'm doing specifically for a rep. Because also a lot of times what, what people choose to present themselves with the material is actually completely opposite of what they would actually be in the market. Ooh, great. Um, and they don't see that. They don't see that. They're like, oh, I'm this type. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're not that type because you're, <laughs> because you're a quirky person. You may, you may think you're a leading woman, but you're not. Leading woman is like dropped and gorgeous. And you've got like quirk to you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, I think workshops can be really great. And I think what casting directors are doing right now on Instagram is really great because it's, it's giving uh, knowledge and it's giving information and now, uh, casting directors are being able to 
connect directly with talent, which I always think is, is so special and unique. Paying a bunch of money of your hard earned money that's, that you're going to end up having to put on in headshots and submit on Actors Access and do your LA casting, like, you know, is Workshop the best thing? I don't know. I also think it's like a, it's a, it's a, it could be a place of privilege too. Maybe some actors don't have any connections to the entertainment industry. So that's how they start rubbing that. Whereas some people might come here and they have a bunch of friends who can refer them. You know, some people have those and some people don't. I would say that those, those workshops that have like the big reps in them, you know, that, that could be good, but also think like, are you ready? Look at the rep, research them, see the caliber of actors they have. And, it, and do you really think that rep is going to be ready to sign you in this moment? If you don't have any credits on your resume and you're, you know, like a normal type, I hate to say this, but just like a Caucasian guy or a Caucasian girl, like mm -hmm. it's going to be hard, you know, and especially if you don't have real material, but if you're, of diverse type with something unique and you know they might take a chance but if you have a few credits on your resume and you're that caucasian guy or girl um you know then there's opportunity there but i think anybody who's just starting off and going to a workshop and hoping that they're going to get rep i think that there's there's much better uses of your money and your time great it's hard because remember like five years ago when all that workshop shit was going down oh, we'll and never forget it we'll never forget it it just turned me so off from all of it. And so many actors just, and I remember that casting director who was like, if you don't go to my workshop, I'm not calling you into the room. Okay. And I've had that experience and I know what that was. And that's bullshit. And that, uh, that does not make actors feel good. And that was not a good experience for many of the actors that I was with. So I think you just have to be careful and really research because some of these places that are doing workshops have really changed their formatting and are really mm -hmm. beneficial. But I think you need to look at it more as an informational voyage than it is an opportunity to get rep. Yeah, I think it's a great place to test material and to test stuff, especially if you're not in a class, if that's how you're meeting people. Um, but that's really good to know. You, you touched on it a little bit about like what casting directors are doing now. But what do you think, like, what would you encourage actors on your roster to be doing now during quarantine? Because, right, there's like a thousand lives a day. There's a monologue challenge. There's a this, there's a that. Like, what would you encourage people to be doing with this free time when, and possibly extending till we don't, months ahead when there might not be filming stuff for a while, right? Yeah, and I was just reading that. I think productions are hoping, hoping to open in September. September. And just think of the kind summer. of, it, it's going to be a dry, hot summer. I mean, we've always been wanting to go to the beach. Well, I mean, who knows if we'll be able to go to the beach. But right. It's so true. I haven't been to the beach in like a year. <laughs> I know. Maybe they'll open that up. Um, you know, I think first and foremost, I think that this is a time that nobody should feel pressured to really do anything. You know, there's a lot of I think there's a lot of shame that's possibly going around right now of people being like, well, I haven't done this and I haven't worked on this. And there's all of these monologue challenges that are happening. I need to get on top of that. And like, no, we all just went through so much trauma through this pandemic experience. People have lost jobs. People's family members have gotten sick or participated 
possibly passed from this. You know, people might not be able to pay rent because of this. Not only just the fear and the crazy, I mean, I'll never forget that day. That was the Friday that everything started shutting down and being at the grocery store and just what that felt like. And it took me a full week to even just get that energy out of my body. So I think first and foremost, it's like being kind to yourself and don't put pressure on yourself to think that you have to accomplish something. But I do think that this pandemic is allowing humans and many creatives for this big pivot in their life. Um, I know I can speak for myself that there's things that I've wanted to do. Like I'm really focusing on this rebranding of, of my company right now. And that's something that I've really wanted to do, but I haven't had the time to sit and settle down and like make that decision and step into it full force. So I think this is a great time to marinate on, you know, what do you want to do and what are your goals and where do you see yourself in a year? And um, I think giving actionable steps to actors, it's like if an actor is to tap, like I've been starting to do these artist profiles on my profile where it's almost like kind of this like press book and I've got like four different slides of my actors of, of what they've done, their resume, their credits, you know, some some editorial photos of them. And I've been trying to tag casting directors and, get, and if they're looking for rep, I can send those to rep because everybody's on Instagram right now. Mm -hmm. If an actor was to tag me in a little like one sheet thing that they made about and that, and that link to their Vimeo page, I'll look at that in a heartbeat. So I think there's a lot of opportunity right now to be branding people and building your networks like, before this pandemic, I wasn't following a lot of these casting directors on Instagram, and now I'm following all of them mm -hmm. and seeing all the information they're putting out. So now I get to know kind of who they are, what their style is, and maybe build a relationship with them. You know, the same thing is agencies. Agencies are doing all these Q&As and talkbacks. So you get to meet them, and they're, they're asking questions, because I think the longer this goes on, the longer they're going to be like, oh, we haven't been looking for new faces this entire time. We need to come back with a new roster, a new strong roster and be scouting. So I think that there's ways of actors to be marketing themselves at this time and to be getting their headshots out there and to be using Instagram and social media in a creative way. In terms of their acting, you know, participate in a self-tape, go to a class, a Zoom class, but don't forget these Zoom classes are not going to be replacing acting class. Like Zoom classes, from what I've seen, is a lot of the instructor talking, but acting is an in-person art. You can't be acting with somebody if they're not there with you, if you can't smell them, if you can't hear them, if you can't pick up on the nuances of their breath. So, so hard. I, I've, been doing, it, I've been doing my acting class every Friday. Like I have it this afternoon online and it's... It's tough. There's some things yeah. I've learned to make it better. Um, but I just want to stand next to someone because I want to listen. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, in the, in the delay of technology, hmm. it's hard. It's hard to be really present in your work. And, and when the camera's picking up on that, you know, so I think that's another thing too is, honestly, if, if I would say anything to actors right now, I was like, take this time to just, to focus on yourself, to get grounded, to get connected and make sure that you're okay. Make sure that your like finances are okay. I've been listening a lot to Suze Orman's podcast. I mean, I, maybe people don't rec recommend her, but she's 
really smart, you know, of like, don't be spending your money, save this money if you can, talk to all your people, like figure out these things in your life, these, these major temples in your life, and then think about your art and think about what other things other than acting you can do right now that are going to enrich yourself as an artist, that will open up senses and open up uh, empathy and allow you to be fully present when you do get the chance to be in front of somebody else mm -hmm. and then try to market try to build some you know relationships because if you if you make one great relationship with somebody you know chances are when things get back to business that relationship's going to come back to you um but don't stress if you're just like you know what i just want this time to hide out things for me have just been crazy and i'm just going to sit on this unemployment check hoping you get it um and you know ride this out but yeah don't be there's so much so many workshops and q a's and everything and you don't have to be going to five of those a day like yeah. at the end at the end of the day some of the information is going to be the same information over and over and over yes i i can't agree more <laughs> that's what we all need to hear um you started uh some brand consulting um, yeah. with your company. Will you tell me a little bit about that? And like, yeah. what, because what you said about actors bringing in the wrong scenes for themselves, it, I still feel like some days I'm like, who am I? <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm curious about this. Yeah. It's been a really, uh, actually a really rewarding experience so far. So one of my, um, best friends from Chicago, we are roommates in Chicago. Her name is Sarah Coakley. She owns her own PR, uh, company. And her focus is multi-hyphenates. So she represents a lot of writer-directors or writer-poets or comedy writer-actors or drag queens or musicians, all of these artists so that fun. work in... Yeah, oh my God, it's so fun. She's got a great list of clients. Like one of her clients was, um, you know, a New York Times top selling list for her poetry. Another um, was the director of this web series called Brown Girls. Now she directs for Blackish. I mean, such a diverse and female and queer forward roster, which is a, a commonality we have between us. Um, but both of us have this background with small businesses and with entrepreneurs. And um, we've, when we both lived in Chicago, we both worked for different PR companies. So we were like, okay, what can we do at this time to be of service? Just both of our, she's a Virgo, I'm a Virgo rising. Uh, <laughs> what can we do to be of service to help? And kind of answering like what your question was, was like, what can actors do in this time? Um, we were like, well, what can these artists do? And maybe there's a lot of artists right now, like, you know, writer directors who have this project, but they don't know what to do with this project. So we started doing free 30 minute consultations and we really just opened it up to any artist, any creative, like if you're a tattoo artist or if you're a calligrapher or if you own your own e-commerce site, you know, maybe you're an actor who like acting is going well, but you need some business help on your business hustle. You know, that's kind of what we opened this up to. So we, we got all different kinds of people. I, I, we, on our first day, we met a, a journalist, we met um, a choreographer. Um, I had two actors that uh, met with us, both didn't have representation, um, and just sat and kind of allowed, gave them space to hear A, how they're doing, B, like what problems are they having right now, and C, like what actionable steps can we give you? Um, you know, one guy, like one actor, uh, 
we didn't have representation, sent us his headshots, his headshot session. And it was like, these headshots are great, but like these headshots don't tell me anything about the, you have this, you have this dad picture, right? And here you are in your plaid and your dad, but this doesn't tell me what kind of dad are you? Are you the dad that has four girls and now is throwing a princess party and you have no idea how to throw a princess party and now you're struggling figuring out if this is the right kind of pink or if this bow is big enough? Are you the dad who's the grill master that we want to go to every single barbecue you have? So when you pull out that spatula at Home Depot, I'm like, oh my God, this guy's going to throw down at the grill. <laughs> Or are you the dad who's like, I'm never having kids and these are my cats? Like, there's so, like, what are the stories that you're writing for these types within? And I think in the commercial world, that type of uh, being specific like that, that's what casting directors are looking for because all these different tones are going to affect, you know, the brands. And, and he, he hadn't had anybody talk to him like that. And then we had a, um, we had a uh, someone who used to be an actor, but now she's uh, a poet and a writer, and she does brand language development for companies. And we just went through her materials and talked about her website and talked about, you know, um, if you're a brand language developer, how come brand language development isn't anywhere on your website? And why is this not clear here? You know, sometimes I think Creatives just need maybe more of a fine-tuned comb or somebody just to like even pass their ideas through. Yeah. And a lot of times we talked about per giving permission, right? Like we had a, a journalist who has written for a bunch of, of different places, uh, media outlets, but never really was promoting herself in her endeavors. And we had a core a director who had a project that they promoted but never promoted themselves. So I was like, what's holding you back from getting in front of the spotlight and being like, this is me, this is who I am. Because I'm sure the moment that you put yourself out there and start promoting who you are, all of that work that you're kind of having this consultation for, right? It's like, how can I get more work? It's all gonna come to you. Mm -hmm. And also at the end of the day, it's just nice to have somebody like to talk to and just talk about business for a second and, and talk about the industry and feel seen and heard. and. Um, it was really rewarding. We, we were like, Hey, if any, if even if one person hits us up and wants a consultation, we'll be excited. Well, in our first day, we got like 40 people to sign up. So awesome. it's cool. And it allows me to meet more artists. Now I've got a journalist that I, if I, any of my clients like, you know, needs to media and maybe they're a queer artist, I can go over to that journalist. And I think Sarah may have potentially met some new clients. So I, it's been really rewarding. And also at the same time, it's like any we're not taking money for it. It's all for free. If you want to donate, we're making donations to Feeding America. So it's just like, how can now we use our own skills in this time to be of service? Right. Um, yeah, it's been really, it's been really rewarding. That's so cool. Is there any, uh, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, uh, and I'll wrap you up in a sec, but is there uh, the, the common themes you're seeing through artists? Because we, when we were talking yesterday, you mentioned that there's like a, people are kind of holding back from being their own uh, center of attention sometimes because we talk yeah. about the imposter syndrome. And I talked about that a lot on the last season of the podcast because I get it sometimes. I'm like, this podcast is all about everyone else and I'm just asking questions. Yeah. Um, so that's come up a lot, you said? 
Yeah, it definitely has. And it's been a great reflection for me because now, like two years later of starting my own company, I really, for the first two years, have been like, I don't, I'm just going to hide behind this company, this MRK. This is my business. It's not about me. It's about my business. It's about my clients. And now two years later, I'm like, wait, I want to meet people. I want people to know who I am and what I'm doing in this town. And and I want to hear your stories. And I, I want to meet you. I want to collaborate with you. So let me finally like own my own strength and my own courage and get out there and put maybe myself in the, in the spotlight for a little bit, not from a place of ego, but from a place of want of service and a place of collaboration. I think so many actors, you know, get shy and there's so many huge egos in this town and these you, you just know them you know the people who are just like okay that person obviously loves themselves and they will talk about themselves forever and all the things that they do well i don't want to be like that because i it's not genuine for me to be like that but it is genuine for you to sh- to share with people about what makes you special in a sense of connection and a a sense of my art can heal and a sense of um I have stories that I've been telling that I want people to see I think we all kind of forget that we can give ourselves permission to you know stretch our wings we feel like we have to stay in line or maybe if we haven't got to that part of our career then nobody's going to listen to us or oh I know that very well (laughs) yeah it's like there's no time but the everything in this pandemic is teaching me that there is no time but the present and I think this is a perfect moment for us to remember that and to not be taking anything for granted and to not sleep on our light or what makes us special and realize that there's a mass amount of healing that's going to be happening right now through this pandemic. And the only way to heal is to put yourselves out there and connect to other people. Um, And also like, know how to pitch yourself. Go, you know, you're wonderful and you know, you've got some great skills and strengths. Well, don't be, if this town is the town of business and the town of selling, Baby, go in there and sell yourself. Like, my gosh, nobody knows you better than you. Nobody's going to be able to talk to you about you better than you. So, like, own that. Own that you're great at what you do. And own that you have something to bring to the table. I think so many people, like, second-guess themselves. And I've done that. We've all done that. You were talking about how you've done that. And, like, at the end of the day, does that cause us to grow? Does that cause us to challenge ourselves? Does that cause us to take the leap of faith that we've been craving taken, taking and no it doesn't so it's just about getting our own way getting out of our own way um, yeah. I think this is the perfect time to do it it's like take those take those risky steps right now is really what I want people to know and I, if- it's awesome I love that's what I'm doing I'm like asking all sorts of people who had never asked to be on my podcast I'm like casting director I have no no connections with you. Come meet me. <laughs> and that's how I felt about you. I was like, wait, I'm like, never have done a podcast before. I'm going to go talk to Sam and be like, hey, wait, I'm the gay guy that Leah Hubner is talking about on her podcast. Which is amazing, by the way. If you guys listen to Leah Hubner's episode, she mentioned the man that started her career and this is him. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I love Leah. Leah is just a bright shining light who just does amazing work. Um, and Leah, I think our mutual, my 
my client and our mutual friend, Caitlin, is I heard you talking about her. She's one of my clients that I've known since college. And Leah was like taking her photos one day. And then I came across Leah. I was like, wait, these are amazing. These are exactly what I need. I'm sending you 15 people right now because you're affordable. And then next thing you know, her business just took off. And now it lent me to you. And I'm so excited and so grateful for that. And, and now there's just so much more collaboration that's ahead of us. And I think, I think that's really like the blessing that's coming out of this time. I, so, I could not agree more. There's small, small victories all over town. This was yeah. so nice. Um, I know people are going to want to email you um, or follow you or where do you want to direct people to? Yeah, so you can go to my Instagram page, mm-hmm. um, which is MRK. M-G-M-T, which is basically management abbreviated. Um, my website is mrkmgmt.co. Um, and if anybody's emailing me about representation or just, uh, you know, wants to send me their information, they can just send it to info at uh, mrkmgmt.co. And all of that is all over my website, too. And if you guys are going to email, please be bright, be brief, be gone. <laughs> <laughs> that is some great, great, great advice. <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm just going to pause our video. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Matthew, thank you so much for coming on and being so real and cool with all of us actors who just want to talk openly with reps all the time. You really give us hope for the future. And we are so excited to work with you. I'm telling you, people are going to email you like freaking crazy. Guys, if you email him, be cool. Don't be uncool. If you got that Real Housewives reference, bonus points. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. I will be back with you next week. Please make sure to rate, review, and share this with a friend. Follow on Instagram at One Broke Actress. Check out that Amazon shop. Check out the new stuff we have going on over there. This podcast was created and hosted by myself, Sam Valentine, with production help from Laurel Canyon Creative. And our theme song is from the ever-so-talented Maggie Zabo. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.